If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm. Do you have an open heart today? Mm. You know, you have to you have to have an open heart to receive. You know, you know the Lord's always speaking to us. The Holy Spirit's always speaking to us. Question is, do we have a heart to hear it? Do we have an open heart? He's always directing us. Do you have an open heart to receive it? And that's my prayer for each one of us, that we would have open hearts today. Because this, this to me, is about going to the maximum. It's about going to the highest level attainable. For the church to step into its purpose, its destiny. It's for you to step into your purpose and what God's called you to do. Last week, um, I read some things about that I'd written, that I'd ministered on here on a Wednesday night back in May about revival. And I want to read some of those things on what revival is. And um, these are just some of them here. It says, revival is God's desire and plan for every individual, for the church, and for the world. Revival is not a goosebump, a feeling. It's a, it's a coming alive. It's a transformation. So revival is not saying, hey, man, we're in revival and because of these things or because I felt something. No, it's about transformation. Revival, another one is revival in itself is an awakening to the thought that there is more, which affects our pursuits. So when you're in revival, it's this thought of, there's more than what I've known up to this time. And it causes you to pursue more. I know times in my Christian walk and in Christian life, uh, you know, I, I knew about Jesus. I, he was my savior. But I probably wasn't in pursuit of his purpose for my life. Another one, and this is the one that's been really strong in my heart. Is this revival is about a season of separation. You can tell when you're revival because it's separating you from things that you used to hold as valuable. It's a season of separation. It's about disconnecting from from one source and connecting to another source. I just reminded of this just now. I think of the story of Mary and Martha. And how they were letting Jesus, let Jesus into the house. And yet the one was busy about doing a lot of stuff. And, you know, the one sister gets upset and said, said, how come she's not helping me? And Jesus says, no, she's chosen the one thing needful. The one thing needful. More than anything else. In the world today, we need to know the one thing needful. 
And it goes beyond our occupation. It goes beyond school. It goes, I'm not saying it's more important. I'm just saying because there's natural things you have to do. But I'm saying there's one thing that's more needful than anything else. Because it will cause all the other things to prosper in your life. Revival is about a season of separation. Let's look here in Luke chapter 3, and I'm not going to take time to go back and review last Sunday. And I mean, we had a great service Wednesday night as well. Verse 16 in Luke chapter 3 says this, John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. What are we seeing here? First, we see John. And, and John is saying, hey, there's one coming that's mightier than I, meaning, meaning I can't take you where you need to go. I'm doing my part, I've done my part, but there's one coming that's going to be able to take you the rest of the way. And he, what's going to happen is he's going to come and he's going to baptize you with Holy Ghost and fire. And it says his winnowing fan is in his hand. And what is that? That is, they would use this, this shovel and what it would do is it would separate the, 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 the right things from the wrong things. It would separate the things that, that aren't, uh, necessary, the things that aren't, um, productive. It's the the things that, that are just the weeds, so to speak. And, and, and so what are we seeing? It's saying, seeing Jesus is going to baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. And he's got his fan in his hand. And what he's doing, he's going to separate those that are his and those that aren't his. Meaning this fire is for you to be different than the rest of the world. This fire is different, meaning it, there's something significant that G, the master is doing. And I want you to know, by the sending of the Holy Ghost in fire, the Father wants to do something. Jesus wants to do something significant in our hearts in this season in 2023. You may say, well, pastor, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost in fire 20 years ago. But the thing is, is are you still allowing the Holy Ghost to separate you from the things that aren't needful? That's good. Or are you allowing the Holy Spirit to just be something to say that you're charismatic? Or I'm Pentecostal? No, there's got to be a reason on why we have the Holy Ghost. You know, in dealing with, this is probably my seventh different message, just dealing with the Holy Spirit. And I haven't even got to talking, praying in the Holy Ghost yet. Why? Because Pentecostal people, charismatic Christians all of a sudden think that, that, that being spirit-filled is about praying in tongues. No, that's just, that, that's a bonus. You need, we need to truly understand what the power of the Holy Ghost is all about. And then that will cause you to now understand why do I pray in the Holy Spirit? The Holy Ghost is in tongues. The Holy Ghost is a person. And Jesus says, I'm going to baptize you with, I'm going to immerse you in Holy Ghost and fire. Look at Luke chapter 12. 
We dealt with this last week. Luke chapter 12. This purpose of fire. Verse 49. Jesus is writing. Jesus is speaking here. He says. Verse 49. I came to send fire on the earth. And how I wish it was already kindled. He goes, but I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how distressed I am till it's accomplished. Jesus is saying, I've got an assignment. Jesus is saying, hey, ultimately, I'm here to bring fire on the earth. But you know what? I've got this baptism that I need to be baptized with first. And I'm distressed. Jesus said I'm distressed? Meaning, I I wish there was another way to do it. I wish this has already happened. But I have a baptism to be baptized with. Meaning, I've got to go all the way through. I've got to go all the way to the cross. I've got to go all the way through the grave to where I can rise again. Why? Because Jesus says, I, I, I came to bring fire. Because he couldn't bring the Holy Ghost until he had been fully baptized and fulfilled his assignment. He said, I came to bring fire, but I can't bring fire until I have fulfilled this whole reason on why I came. And if you keep reading, what does it talk about? It talks about separating the, the, the fathers, the sons, separating these and separating these. Why? Because Jesus is saying, this is what the fire is all about. The fire is about separation. The fire is about us being separated from the world. Separated from the works of darkness. Separated from the things. You know, separated from the things that really don't bring you joy. Separated from the things that cause torment in your life. Separated from the things that that don't provide value in your life. It's amazing to me all the things that I would pursue to try to find value and it still was empty. But until the Holy Ghost. I came to bring fire on the earth. We talked about this word fire. And one of the words is it's dissension. That's what this word fire means, dissension. And it means disagreement to the point of discord. You're like, I thought Jesus was all about unity. Because he says that. He goes, you thought I came on the earth to bring peace. (laughs) Oh, world peace. Remember that? You thought I came to bring peace. He goes, no, I came to bring division. You're like, that sure doesn't sound like my Jesus. It does when it talks about your, your assignment, your destiny, and your eternity. I came to bring fire. Meaning, I want you to be, Jesus is saying, the fire is going to come on you, and you're going to be in, in such disagreement that you have to separate from the things that you've been joined to. That's what the Holy Ghost is all about. To separate us from the things we've been joining ourselves to. Hallelujah. Go to Luke 24. Luke 24. 
Thank you, Father. Now, before I read this, Jesus is commissioning the disciples. And I was thinking about this this week, how, actually it just came up while I was ministering on Wednesday night, and think about the, the disciples walked with Jesus and saw miracles. They were even used by Jesus. They came back to Jesus and said, man, even the demons are subject to us, Trey. But yet when Jesus died on the cross, what happened? They went back to fishing. You see, Jesus came and he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And all of a sudden they left all and followed him, right? But yet when Jesus was gone, they went back to what they came out of. Isn't that like how the enemy likes to work in our lives? To bring us back to the things he brought us out of? And yet they saw amazing things, extraordinary things. So he reconnects with, he reconnects with the disciples. And let's pick this up without going through this whole commission here. Verse 46 says... Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And he says, you are witnesses of all these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. What does he tell them? Go, go back to Jerusalem until you're endued with power. What needed to happen? They needed to experience the fire. The fire. Go back until you're endued with power. And we've talked about that word endued, and it means to sink into a garment. It doesn't mean just to put on, but it means it becomes a part of you. Another way of looking at this, and this we refer to Wednesday night, he says, Go until you're endued with power. Stay there until, 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 stay there until, until, meaning don't go anywhere until, don't go anywhere until, you stay there until you receive this power, go there until you're endued with power. Another way of looking at this, go there until you're marinated. Go there until you're marinated with this power. See, a lot of times we don't stay long enough. We don't stay long enough. We don't stay until we've been marinated. 
Too often in a church service, we settle for a time limit instead of, instead of pressing into all that God has. Because when we step into all that God has, then we can be marinated with Him. See, it's being marinated, being marinated. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, things taste a whole lot better when they're marinated. Wednesday, we, we talked about no one likes any dry chicken. No one likes uncooked chicken. Stay until you're marinated. You see, when you're marinated in something, all of a sudden, the, 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 the object takes on the nature and the characteristics. It takes on the aroma of it. It takes on the flavor of it. It takes on all that it is. And too often we don't stay long enough until we're marinated with Him. We settle for, oh, praise Jesus. And we never press in to who He is. The whole reason we have the Holy Ghost and fire is so we can be marinated with Him. To all of a sudden it changes. See, it's amazing to me when you encounter God to such a degree, then it all of a sudden it changes your, what was your priorities and what was your focus one day is no longer your focus another day. That day forward, I'm telling you, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost and power, I'm telling you, there was not another day fishing that could ever satisfy them. Going back to fishing is not something they could ever have gone back to. Why? Because they were now endued with heaven. They were endued with power. They were endued with the fire of God and they had now been marinated with heaven. Now they're, now they have love flowing out of them. Now they have joy flowing out of them. Now they have the power of God flowing out of them. Now they have the miraculous flowing out of them. But until even in a church service, we can get uncomfortable if nothing happens for two minutes. Instead of just waiting until. That's it. That's it. Wait. Your personal prayer time waiting until you have a release. Waiting until. I remember having an encounter with God and remember being faced with some decisions that were in front of me. And the Bible says, you know what? He said, the Bible says this there's a way that seems right to a man. But the end of that is destruction. And I'm standing before this situation and, well, for me, it wasn't just what seemed right, but it was really ultimately what I wishing was right. (laughs) Sometimes we can find ourselves in life where we are in a season and we're doing something, we're in a place because we wish this was the right thing. Am I the only one? It's like, it's like, God, if I can get you in agreement with me. Come on, God, get in agreement with me. Because in the natural, it was like, yeah, this seemed right. It seemed logical. It seemed like it was the good thing to do. But then also, I was like, but Lord, this, if, see, this is, this is what I want. This is what I want. And the door opened, so it must be you. And yet I'm... 
I'm in what seemed right, and I'm in what I was, was wishing was right. And I'm like, yeah. But yet inside, I'd walk in, I'd walk in, I'd walk into a place, I'd walk in to where I was wishing was right, and I felt like I was a fish out of water. I'm like, I'm looking around, I'm like, this isn't, this doesn't where I belong. This isn't, this isn't, I know it's not where really God wants me. But I was wanting it to be. I was wanting this because of these things. But inside, inside I was just like, this isn't it. But Lord, if I choose that, then I'm giving up that. And if I choose that, then, then I don't know. I don't want to do that. But, but I, and he was Justin. You come to a place where you either have to choose self, or you choose your destiny. You choose everything else over here, or you choose your assignment on your life. I remember trying to manipulate a situation. No one's ever done that, have you? And, and the Lord was like, and, and I was like, Lord, well, if I do this, if I do this, then, then you know, maybe this will happen. And, 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 and all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost said, stop. He goes, because that person, they, they have to choose between, between self and the masses. You can either choose what you, what, what's, what, what you want right here or you're going to choose the masses of people that you have the ability to impact and reach. So the question is, do we want to allow the fire of God in our lives to such a degree that it takes us out of mediocre and it takes us into the extraordinary? Because I'm telling you, the world can only offer what it can offer. And that's natural. Ordinary, and all of it has a time frame. It has an expiration date. But when you choose that which is eternal, it will take you places you never dreamed of. So when I made the decision to get out of what I wished, what seemed right, even as comfortable to take that step of faith, I know God would meet me there because that's where destiny was. That's where my purpose was. You see, the fire of God and the Holy Ghost is all about taking you to your destiny and your purpose. I can't wait till the the Lord allows me talking about discovering your destiny in this series about desire. But it it all is about the Holy Ghost. It's all about following the Holy Spirit in your life. The fire. Go there until you're endued with power. Tell you, we need to be believers that are marinated with him. To where where we could say like Jesus said, hey, you want to know what God looks like? You know what Jesus looks like? Look at me. Smell that. Smell that. (laughs) That's That's called being marinated. I'm marinated with him. Marinated with him. Revival is about a season of separation. 
It's about, it's about a body of believers coming together and mar- being marinated with Him. To where when you go outside the walls, everyone recognizes that you've been with Jesus. That's what Luke, I mean, Acts chapter 4 said. Hey, we could tell they've been with Jesus. What does that mean? Well, because in Acts chapter 2, they were endued with power. Now, all of a sudden, they're now marinated. And so, hey, we can tell you've been with Jesus. It wasn't about necessarily being with Jesus, Vic. It was about being with who Jesus was with. And that is the Holy Ghost. That is the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Yes, Father. 2 Corinthians 13. Thank you, Father. I want to remind you of John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, Jesus told the disciples, he said, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan, right? I mean, I'm not going to leave you alone. But I'm going to send you another, say another. Another. So I'm going to send you another comforter. The word another in the Greek means someone just like me. Someone just like me. I'm sending someone. He, you know, he, he wasn't sending us an object to possess. Now hear this. He wasn't sending an object for us to possess, but a person to commune with. Holy Ghost and fire, it wasn't sending us to something that, that all of a sudden it's like, okay, I've got power and I'm carrying around this power as like this object. No, it's a person to commune with. It's a person to be in joint partnership with. The strongest word in if I can use this, the strongest word for this, this word is cornonia. It's intercourse. It means the intermingling of two lives. Meaning I'm sending someone that you can be intermingled with. So the Holy Ghost is not a feeling. He's a person to commune with that is meant to bring A life of separation. So when the Holy Spirit falls in the room, His intent isn't for us to leave that that service and say, say, oh, that was amazing. Didn't we experience His presence? Yeah, we can say that, but ultimately, yeah, it'd be great to say that. But ultimately is, man, He separated me. How many people you know that you have a call on your life? God's called you for something extraordinary. You'll never step into it until you encounter the reality of separation. 
And you will always be confronted. You will always be confronted with things that will take away your decision to take you in another direction. But when you humble yourself and make the decision to separate yourself, you'll then have the freedom to go the rest of the way. Don't wait like I did. I wish I'd made this decision when I was nine years old when I first encountered God. You're never too young, you're never too old to make a decision to separate yourself. It's what the Holy Spirit is. I think, I just hear him saying, I want them to separate themselves. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, as Paul closes out this letter here, he says, finally, brethren, farewell. He says, be complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I'm not going to have you do that right now. But look at verse 13. All the saints greet you. Look at verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What a, I mean, what a commission to give to the church. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Is there anything else we need? Is there anything else we need, Alex, besides the grace of the Lord Jesus? The love of God. And see, a lot of times we've, we focus on those two things. We focus on the grace of the Lord Jesus. And we focus on the love of God. But how often have we focused on the communion of the Holy Spirit? We need to have an ongoing internal dialogue with the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us. You're like, well, that, would I be talking to myself? It, it may sound that way. But I'm telling you, that conversation has led me into amazing places. It has kept me from some things that, I, that, that, that he's kept me from. But the question is, if I separated myself to commune with him. Sometimes separation is making a decision. Saying, you know what? I need to separate myself from this. Because I need the Holy Spirit to direct me. Are you receiving something this morning? Hallelujah. 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 Mm. Holy Spirit, forgive us for not treating you as a person and communing with you. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Father. Multitudes of believers never develop a relationship with the one who dwells on the inside of them. Many of us have confessed to Jesus, but yet we don't experience the life of Jesus because we don't plug in to the power supply. Thank you, Father. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter 1. Thank you, Father. Mm, say, I'm going higher. Mm. Hallelujah. Say, I'm in revival. Mm. Say, I'm in a season of separation. Thank you, Father. Verse 19 says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Who has also sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Read that last verse again. Now, he who established us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Now, if you didn't realize it or not, you may say, well, you didn't realize you're anointed, but I want you to know you're anointed. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm anointed. You see, if you have the Holy Spirit, you're anointed. He goes, now, he goes, now, now, to who established you in Christ. Are you established in Christ? And has anointed you. Has anointed you. Come here for a second, Trey. Anointed you. The word anoint means to, is, is creo. Christo, and it means to smear on and rub all over. So it's like smear on, <laughs> rub all over. Meaning, you know, it's, it's that you just can't get rid of it. Why? Because you've been anointed. You see, when you've been anointed with oil, you know you've been anointed. He established us and who anoints us is God. And then what does it say? Has anointed is God, who also, also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So not only are you established, not only are you anointed. Now see, you're anointed. What was anointing for in the Old Testament? It was to set them apart for service. When David was set apart for service in Kings 16... And it said that Samuel anointed him. It said the spirit of God came upon him from that day forward. Now, he didn't become king then, but he went, he, he went out and, became, and he was still a shepherd boy. But yet we, we knew he was anointed musician because the king would call and he'd come and play. He'd come and play music and it would cause the spirits to subside over Saul. 
but yet he wasn't king yet. What, what, what we do know, he was anointed. Yeah. Now, you may not have stepped into your full assignment yet, but it doesn't mean you're not anointed. Right. Because God's anointed you for him. He's anointed you. He set you apart for something. You've been set apart for something. You've been set apart for something. And the enemy wants to take what you've been set apart from. The enemy wants you to settle for what seems right and what you wish would be. But no, he wants you to step into perfect promise, perfect destiny. And he's anointed you. To be anointed means you're set apart for service. Thank you, Father. You're set apart for service. Who also has sealed us with the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? Sealed us or guarantee. Another word, earnest. How many mortgage mortgage brokers here or you work in real estate? You know know what earnest money is, right? It's, It's really the same word. This guarantee, meaning, meaning you're putting up a couple thousand dollars and it's a guarantee that you're gonna come back to close on the house. Hallelujah. So how much more Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, sealed us with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's coming back for us. It's our guarantee. Not only is it a guarantee, but it's an identity. It's an identity that you can go around. You paid earnest money. Now you can say, hey, that's my house. That's my house. You may not have closed on it yet, but hey, I got, I got documents because I gave earnest money. Hey, it's mine. And so all of a sudden when God is look, looking at you from heaven, he's saying, he's mine. He's mine. She's mine. He's mine. See, see the fire of God, the Holy Ghost and the fire of God is to, is to brand you in the spirit. Is to brand you in the spirit so the world knows and you know I'm God's. The Holy Ghost and fire. You've been established in Jesus. You've been anointed by God and you've been sealed with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Stretch your hands towards Trey. Oh, Father, we thank you for Trey Ministries. Oh, Father, I thank you for everything that he's crying out for. I thank you, Father, for the the ministry and the purpose, Lord. I thank you for unlocking, unlocking all the miracles and the miraculous, Lord. I thank you, Father, for people getting out of wheelchairs. I thank you for blind eyes being opened. Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you, Father, for everything needful in this season. Opening the doors, opening the doors, opening the doors. Hallelujah. 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 And I thank you that you're bringing, you're bringing a fresh anointing. Hallelujah to the Baptist, to the Methodist. Hallelujah to all the denominations that he goes in and ministers to. Hallelujah. Even as he goes in and ministers as a John Maxwell coach, I thank you the Holy Ghost will fall. Hallelujah. And minister to those businesses and those businesses, men. Hallelujah. And then in the PBR, in the, in the, in the, the, hallelujah, in the rodeo world, I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the anointing to fall. The Thank fire you. to fall everywhere you. him and Heather go. Thank you. In Thank Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. Thank Hallelujah. You. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Whew, you're anointed. 
Hallelujah. You've been sealed with the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Go to Second Corinthians chapter 6. I just sensed a shift because I wasn't prepared to go to the Scripture. Thank you, Father. What do you want, Father? Holy Spirit, what do you want? Hallelujah. Mm. How God anointed. How God anointed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Ghost and power. And he went about doing good and healing all. Hallelujah. He was anointed. He was set apart for service. Hallelujah. And he was empowered for service. And it caused him to go about. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians 6. And see the Holy Spirit wants here. It says, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. Our heart is wide open. Now listen, you are not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. Whoa. I think that just hit some people right there. That just hit me. I was like, whoa. Whoa. I mean, is God hindering you? Sometimes we have this thought, well, one day in the future, in the sweet by and by. He goes, Paul's saying, my heart is wide open. He goes, I'm not restricting you. I'm not keeping anything back from you. He said, you are not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. You are hindering you. We hinder ourselves. I want God. I want more of Him. I want all of Him. I want everything He has for my life. He goes, I'm not restricting you. He goes, you're restricting yourself by your own affections. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Meaning, you need to stop restricting your heart. You're limiting what God wants to do in your life. What does he say? Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. We know in in 1 Corinthians, he says, you are the temple of the living God and the spirit of God dwells within you. What are you saying? Don't be unequally yoked. Meaning, Meaning you can't walk with light and dark at the same time. You can't fulfill your assignment if you're going to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Meaning it's, you're, it's not going to go well. You're just going to get frustrated. Amen. Then you're going to blame other people. And you're going, to, it's, you're going to go down this trail of why this or why that. And all God is saying, hey, hey, don't be yoked up with them. Don't be in communion with them. Why? Because why? Paul's saying, because I don't want to see you restricted. I don't want to see you held up any longer. 
You have to allow the Spirit of God to work in your heart. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? Meaning there's nothing in common. There's no common ground. And what delight with darkness? And what accord is Christ with Belial? Or what part has believers with unbelievers? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said. As God has said. I will dwell in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God. And they shall be my people. Therefore, because of that, what does he say? Come out from among them and be separate. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean. And I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Man, what a word of separation. Come out from among them and be separate. You know what? That, that's, I will dwell in them. I'll walk among them. I will be their God. That's what revival is all about. It's for him to be among us, be with us. It's about a season of separation. Thank you, Father. Go to Ephesians 5 and I think I'm closing with this. Ephesians 5. You're receiving something. Mm. I'm preaching this to myself. Hallelujah. Baptized with Holy Ghost and fire. I just hear the Holy Spirit just saying, get close to me. Get close to me. Come after me. I don't know if you remember last week, We went to James and we talked about how the spirit yearns over us with a jealous love. A little bit after that was he say, draw near to God and he'll draw near to us. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. He wants closeness with us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Look at verse 8. He goes, For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Are you grateful for that? You were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. What does it say? Walk, walk as children of light. You know, it's not walked. It's walk, meaning this is present tense. Meaning this has to do with our daily life. Walk as children of the light. Meaning if, I, if I'm not in darkness anymore, then you should be able to see it in my life walk. Walk as children of the light for the fruit of the Spirit in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Was he finding out what is acceptable to the Lord? Let me ask, do you all know what's, what's wrong and what's right? So what is it? This is a journey that we're finding out. But yet there's times in my life where things that were acceptable this year, all of a sudden, as I grew in my relationship with God, all of a sudden he, he was showing me that don't do that anymore. Don't do that anymore. 
It's not about walking in perfection, so don't hear that from me this morning. He goes, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship. This word, no fellowship, is the same words that we see in Romans chapter 12 when it says, do not be conformed to this world. It's the same Greek word. So he says, find out what's acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Meaning, this is really simple. Walking in darkness isn't going to produce anything in your life. And have no fellowship with the fruitful works, unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things that are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. God wants to illuminate some darkness in your life. That's what a season of separation, that's what revival is about. It's about the Holy Spirit putting a light on things you need to separate from. You receive that? Very pastoral right now. But all things are exposed or made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleeps. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. He's talking to churches here, but yet he had to tell them, awake you who sleep. And arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. He goes, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. You say, Pastor Justin, I, you know, I have, I, I've walked away from God for so long. I've been walking in darkness for too long. I, or I walk in light and then I walk in darkness and I, I don't like this. I don't like, I keep going up and down, in and out and all that. Hey, well, right here he says, he says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. I'm telling you, God can redeem the time where you didn't walk with him. Hallelujah. Revival is about stepping into a place of light where he can redeem the time for your destiny and your future. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What the will of the Lord is. What the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord. You can know what the will of the Lord is. What's the will of the Lord? Hallelujah. 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 And do not be drunk with wine. In which is dissipation. But be filled with what? What's the will of the Lord? To not be drunk with wine. Which is dissipation. Which means, the word dissipation means to scatter. Meaning... What happens if you're drunk with natural, intoxicated with natural things, it's going to cause you to feel scattered. But he says, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be intoxicated. Don't be intoxicated. Overcome with. If you're intoxicated... With things, it will cause you to make, it can cause you to make wrong decisions. If you're intoxicated with something, full with something, 
It can affect your judgment. It can it'll affect your peace. But when you're filled with the Spirit, <laughs> I didn't make one good decision intoxicated. <laughs> Can't think of one great decision I made when I was intoxicated, except maybe that time when. I was smoking a blunt and I said, I'm going to be a preacher. That's probably the only good thing that ever happened. But to be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. (laughs) To be filled with the Spirit. I'm telling you, when you, now think about it, when you were, when you were drunk naturally, don't think about that actually, but <laughs> something, something happens when you're, you, you drink naturally, you, you get more generous. Drinks are on me. You're more friendly. Some people are, I guess. I don't know. But But what if we get filled with the Spirit? Filled Filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. How are we going to be... How are we going to be able to walk as children of light? Let me say this. You've heard me say this. To define light... We can't look at as we see light in this room. Because that's our understanding of light. They didn't have that understanding of light. The only thing that they could describe light with was fire. The sun, which is fire. That's the only way they could even describe light is by fire. So when it say walk as children of the light, they're saying walk as children of fire. How are we going to walk and continue to walk as children of fire when we are filled? Don't be drunk with wine, which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And as we're filled with the Spirit, it will cause us to live a life of separation. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. We know in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Spirit. We know Acts chapter 4, and they came back together, and they were with their own company. It said they gathered together, and the place was filled. We see in Acts chapter 5, we see an infilling. Acts chapter 10, which is about written about 7 to 10 years after. 7 to 10 years after. Acts chapter 2. A man named Cornelius and Peter. Peter shows up by direction of the 
Holy Spirit. And it said as he ministered these words, it said the Holy Spirit fell on them. It said as he ministered the word, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Then it goes into the next chapter in chapter 11. And it said that Peter wrote back and he goes, he goes that the Holy Spirit came on them as it did on us. What does that mean? It means the same Holy Ghost that was poured out on the, on the Jews on the day of Pentecost is the same Holy Spirit that was poured out in Acts chapter 10. They didn't get a different Holy Spirit. It wasn't a lesser Holy Spirit. It was the same Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is in the earth today. And all he's looking for is open hearts to do what Jesus sent him to do. And that is bring us to separation. He wants you to live filled. 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 Shouldn't the church be more filled today than it was in Acts chapter 2? what I I sense more than anything else is we're restricting. We need to live a life of being filled. It's not a one-time experience. Matter of fact, the original language of this Ephesians 5 is actually be being filled. That's how it's better translated. Be being filled. Meaning be filled, but be being filled. Be filled. So Be filled. Holy Ghost and fire.
we'd be marinated. Jesus told them to go and wait until. When they went, they didn't know, actually know how long it would be. But they were expecting any moment for this one that Jesus said would come. could have been some that left because they got tired of waiting but on that day at nine o'clock in the morning I wouldn't have been the one that left at six o'clock in the morning or the night before Just knowing if I had just waited nine more hours, heaven was invading earth. Thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Father. Be filled. Be filled. I say be filled. Be filled. Be saturated with. Be overcome by. Be filled with Him. Be overflowing with Him. Hallelujah. That we would be wall to wall, through and through, filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I pray that over every person here, every person watching by way of internet, I say be filled. Be filled and overflowing with the anointing of God and the power of God and the fire of God. Be filled with the strength of God. Be filled. Be filled. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, teach us. Holy Spirit, teach us to stay filled. Teach us to live a life of being daily filled. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You see, if if you're with Him just one day, look at it this way. If you're filled with Him just one day, then He can only really use you one day. But when you're filled with Him daily, 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 daily infillings, daily infillings, daily infillings, daily infillings. Be filled. Hallelujah. This morning, I believe that we marinated a little bit. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.